Hello again, it's Charlie Belfontaine, and we're listening to the Home Buyers Hour on WCPT AM820, where the facts matter. In the studio with us, we got Patrick Loftus and Olin Ergold. Patrick's always a regular here, and and we're trying to bring Olin on as a, a monthly visitor. And then remotely, we have Joey Matthews. Joey, if you don't mind, give us a quick introduction and contact information. Yes, sir. Joey Matthews, NMLS 1330694, the VA Loan Nerd. Um, you can hit me up at 630-235-2405 or find me on social media, uh, the VA Loan Nerd, across everything now. I love it. And Patrick, how do people get hold of you? Call or text 773-632-8330. And what's the name of your law firm again? Loftus Law. And how long have you been in the, we'll call it, we'll be a little bit specific and call it the real estate law business? Um, since I got my law license. My, my family is in the real estate game and uh, I was unable to escape it. Uh, and as much <laughs> as we try. But it's like it's. It reminds me of the old. Um, oh, what was Don Corleone? The Godfather movies. I try to get out, but they keep sucking me back in. Right. So, it's how it feels sometimes. Except my family did far fewer crimes. I, I hope so. <laughs> I hope we didn't do any crimes. As far as I know, that you know about. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, don't, I can't. I can't say much more uh, other than I plead the fifth. Sounds good. <laughs> And Olin, he's going to be our guest host today. And Olin, tell us about your company. Um, how do people get a hold of you? And a little bit about you. How long have you been in the business? Give us a little bit of history, please. Sure. Good morning, y'all. Uh, Olin with At Properties. This is my 13th year in the business. Wow. Um, I uh, My social media is at Olin Sells Chicago. And so is my website, olinsellchicago.com. Uh, 312-771-1328 is my cell, call or text. Um, and then O-L-I-N is uh, how it's spelled, olin at atproperties.com. Uh, I did not, this is not a family business for me. I kind of mm-hmm. fell into it. Neither of my parents are, I just kind of got into real estate. So no fun story there. Which is still awesome. I mean, and, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the I'm going to use the word quality of professionals, or maybe professionalism is a better word, of real estate agents, home inspectors, mortgage people, and so forth. That's going to be kind of a strong subject that we're going to talk about today, because a lot of times we get a bad reputation when these bad things happen. But first, you know, this is the um, first recording we did after Thanksgiving, and I want to talk a little bit about what's going on in the market with Joey. So if you're ready, Joey, give us an update. What's happening with mortgages? And, and we're going we're gonna to actually dwell on that, too, and talk about the power that people have when they're doing the negotiations or purchasing power, I should say. But, Joey, please tell us a little bit dwelling. about yourself and, and what's going on in the market. We're not dwelling. We're ruminating on it. We're talking <laughs> about it. All right. Uh, no, so right now, um, markets are a little bit down. In, in mortgage world, it's a little bit up because stocks and bonds typically work inversely to each other, right? So we are waiting for federal chairman Jerome Powell to speak at noon 30 today, uh, central time. And today is November 30th. So by the time you hear this, he will have spoken. Um, the big news is really just trying to see what the Fed is going to do regarding future interest rate hikes. Uh, they're trying to glean any kind of information they can off of Powell. Uh, in the past, he has released notes and then completely gone against the grain of his notes and it has thrown the economies into, a, or I'm sorry, the uh, markets into a total tizzy. So do I have a prediction for today? I do not because Jerome Powell is unpredictable. Um, but I hear own- that being said with love from your voice there. Yeah, markets love unpredictability as far <laughs> as I know. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, he's, he's been a blast to, to follow around here. Uh, but yeah, no, he speaks at, uh, at noon 30, uh, November 30th. So uh, we'll see how markets react, but I, I'm not going to make a prediction on this because, it, I mean, we, we, I would love to see uh, a softening of these rate hikes, but I, I just don't believe that Powell is someone who is willing to do that. So we'll see. But isn't if we start going too much, and, and I'm not here to, to criticize you know, what, what they're doing, they have far more information than I do, but from what I understand, if we start overcorrecting things, then doesn't that kind of like oversteer the boat? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's, I mean, there's people saying, you know, 
there's talk about a mild recession and then there's the far other side that's like no we're we keep doing this we're going headlong into a severe recession so we'll see what happens but i don't want people to freak out man because there's a lot of recency bias that affects 2000 that affects this market because people are like they immediately associate recession with 2008 and we gotta not do that mm -hmm. we that is not the case in uh, today and, and this is an unfair question i got for you and it's you know but I, I know that there are some and patrick you might know or olin you might know i know they put in other safeguards so that what happened in 08 isn't going to happen again does anybody know what those safeguards are or or at least a rough idea of what they are I think Joey knows. Hasn't hasn't I he talked Dodd about Dodd Frank? <laughs> <laughs> Jinx. Yeah, we 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 have to we have to write um, basically qualified mortgages, right? QM mortgages. Uh, there are safeguards in place for debt ratios. There, I mean, geez, I, I have to document everything. There's there's no Nina loans. There's no CISA loans. There's no stated income, stated asset, no income, no asset. Is back in the day, as long as you had a good credit score, you here's your three-year arm. Enjoy it, you know. Have seven houses. We don't care um, until we do care because you default on your payments. Um, what yeah, is considered a good credit score anyway? That's a very, that's a very, very. Um, uh, it, it depends on what you're looking to do. I mean, FHA, VA, a great credit score for me. You're looking at 640, right? If you're looking to go conventional, I like to see 720 or higher. If you're under 720, then I start looking at FHA versus conventional to see what's going to get you uh, at least the best um, payment-wise, the, the, the best setup payment-wise, but you also have to consider when you're buying, is a seller going to accept FHA, VA? So you also have to talk to your realtor. Uh, and that's also going to you know, affect the type of house you can buy. Can you buy something that might need a little bit of fixing up? I don't know. Um, it safety matters so i mean you, you way to throw me down a rabbit hole uh, i apologize about that joey but you are really smart on these things and and i think it's good for more people to know about it quite frankly i want to know about it as a lawyer my, my favorite answer in the world is it depends so you you really you know you you, you hit a home run with that one Yep. And, and we've actually been answering that question on the real estate side for a while as well, that this is not the same as 2008 and 2009. That, that was not a real estate uh, issue. That was not a, a housing issue. That was more of the financial side. So people who are asking that question is, are we going into a real estate recession versus financial versus economy? It's kind of hard to discern all of those things. And people are just hearing all this on the news and getting so nervous. And so, Joey, I appreciate what you said about kind of countering that when people are asking it. And I feel like we have to do that in many different ways whenever a client or a consumer is asking nowadays. But yeah. I, oh, go ahead. And, and you know, the, among other things, the, the tight job market is also a very much a different situation than what we had back in 07, 08, et cetera. So, I mean, th these are... Now, what do you mean by that, the tight job market? Well, unemployment, you know, is at... It's pretty low. Is in the threes, right? Yeah. It, it got, I think up above 10 back in those days and yeah but i don't think it was i don't think it was at 10 when the light switch and i i call the light switch in 07 you know when basically real estate for me stopped all right i, I don't think unemployment was that low then uh no it's it it certainly it started at one place and it grew um yeah. but i've not seen or heard any signs that the job market Perhaps it's softening a little bit, but it's it's not going in the other direction. There's there's still people still have jobs. That's the key, and and that's what I remember about '07 and '08. You know, I I lived out in Bolingbrook, and I was a fireman up in Northbrook at the point of time. That's a long drive, you know, going to and from work, and I only had to do it one out of every three days, and I was driving an SUV back then. And I remember when those gas prices, and we're talking $2,007, we're not talking $2,022. I remember when those prices shot up to $4.50 a gallon. And they went from there, you know, like around two, a little over $2. And then whammo, you know, we doubled the price of gas and people are driving. You know, my, some of my neighbors were going 100 miles a day round trip, driving into the city to go to work. Well, you, you start doing that kind of mileage, and, and next thing you know, you got a $1,000, $1,500 gas bill. And I don't mean natural gas. I mean gasoline every month, and something else has to come out of your life. And that's when I start seeing people eliminating travel, 
They eliminate vacations. They eliminate movies. They eliminate um, entertainment. And then all of a sudden, those industries, they end up losing their jobs because there's no income to those particular energies. And then that, it just, I don't know, it's just yeah. dominoes. And, and when you're leveraged as, as high as people were, exactly, that's, that's where you, you don't have the wiggle room to absorb an extra 500 a month in essentials. And Joey um, just mentioned it with like people having seven mortgages. And, and and seriously, Joey, do I have to throw the baloney flag at you? I mean, is that truth? People really had seven mortgages going? They can. I mean, I, I work with a lot of investor clients that, I mean, I got a guy, he has 64 businesses right now, and each business has like 10 loans wrapped into an LLC. So yeah, on, on a personal level uh, where it's just you reporting to a credit report, not to a business, you can have up to 10. Um, but once you're going over 10 as an investor, you got to start making LLCs for, for new properties. So, yeah, it's a very real thing. That is. That's interesting. Nolan, what's your take on all that? Do you see these sort of risks going on now that went on then? A, l a little bit. And I kind of have two things I want to say about that. I, I don't want to throw a client under the bus, but I actually have clients who sold their property here in Chicago. And because we are so close, they actually bought a new construction property in Indiana and using it as the idea of just, you know, everybody's working from home nowadays. And so they moved to get out of the city during the pandemic. And as of about a couple months ago, we're looking at coming back to Chicago. You know, people made these choices during this past couple years. They're, they didn't lose their jobs, thank goodness, like you were saying, Patrick. They, they still are working. They chose to live in a different place. But now that the market is, is ever evolving, they are interested in coming back to the city and kind of restarting that portion of their life and I find that interesting uh, on the on the investor side uh, I, I agree with Joey I mean it, when it comes to investors a lot of people do have multiple uh, projects and properties going at once I don't see a ton of that um, Patrick mentioned something a couple of weeks ago about you know most people buy a property three times in their life and that's pretty typical for most people when you're buying and selling, you might uh, move up or, or size down a couple times in your life, but these are the biggest transactions that will ever happen for most people. There, there is that small group of people, uh, myself included, who are interested in real estate investment and having more than one property and having investment properties. And we're a different breed. Most normal uh, consumers and customers of mine do a transaction two or three times. So the ones that, that Joey is speaking about, the ones that we're talking about investors, they are a different breed and when, oh they're not worried about uh, credit scores. When they, when they get that deep into it, then they're paying cash and there's a lot of other you know, issues that come down the line. Yeah, they, they evaluate that type of thing from a totally different perspective. Um, That's right. You know, they, they, they've got a sheet and they put the numbers in. It's a numbers game. Yep. If the numbers work, okay, we can continue down this path and my my investor clients they'll stop if if something doesn't add up for them like literally they'll stop they'll be like not doing it mm -hmm. whereas with someone who's going to buy a property to live there there are a whole there's there's a whole uh, other set of criteria that they're looking for uh, it, if I'm buying a property to rent it out, I don't necessarily care that it's proximate to my local. Whereas if I'm buying a condo for myself um, and, and my significant other, I might care that our favorite restaurant is around the corner. Just one example of a little thing that would be a, a consideration for a, a consumer uh, versus uh, someone who is investing in real estate. Uh, strictly uh, from a, a business perspective. You hit the nail on the head. I was speaking with an investor client this morning that uh, is looking at a three-unit building that's currently fully occupied and rented, and the numbers came down to what they would buy it at versus what the rent roll is, and it's a difference of $130 a month. And they said, let's just put a hold on that for now. So it didn't make financial sense. It's literally down to the dollar bills. Yep. It's in a great location. It's a great purchase. It, you know, the equity would build over time. But right now, they decided to not move forward on that. Whereas if that was someone who was going to live in one of the units as an owner-occupant, and it was right beside their favorite park, or it was five minutes from their employer. So nice. you, you, make, yeah. you hit the nail on the head with that. If those numbers suggest that I can put my money elsewhere and mm -hmm. get 2% more a year, I, I'm going to hold back, like you said, it's uh, an even investment. if it's just 130 bucks. That's right. Because that's a lot whenever it's a yearly basis, and then you start adding that up. And right after this recording of this show, I'm heading down to Lawndale, and one of our clients was a 12-unit apartment building, 
And all of a sudden he, you know, because I guess they part of that doing your due diligence stuff is checking all the utilities. And because the owner of the building pays for the water, their water bill spiked by $1,500 a month, you know, for the 12 unit. Yeah, you guys are making faces here in front mm-hmm. of me, which is awesome. And he's like, this ruins the numbers. I, I don't make money on this investment, you know, when we have this high of a water bill. I have to get it back down to where it was and we need to find out why. So we don't know if it's going to be a tenant that just turned the water on and let it run. Leaky toilet. Probably. (laughs) Believe it or not, it sounds crazy, but a leaky toilet or a running toilet eats up so much water. It's stupidly ridiculous. But that's exactly what I'm leaning to. And in one of 12 units, you can't imagine where the issue is coming from and how long it's been going on. And And one toilet could run you 500 bucks in a month easy. And that's one toilet mm-hmm. that comes in there. Now, when you got two bedroom, two bathroom, twelve units, we're talking about twenty four poopers in there. <laughs> and yeah, we're gonna be, you know, if those, if we get two of those or three of those running, we're going on there. Say, hey, listen, I I watch WKRP. I know you could say booger on the air oh, and stuff like that. I, I I'm from the seventies. Can you please here. change all of your inspection reports to say poopers? That would be the best. I, I think I could do that. You know, we're trying to be respectable oh, to everybody else coming in here, but I don't know if they, is that going to end up, you know, moving me over to the to the what I like to call the ninety percenters. And that, and Olin, I'm going to throw a curveball at you. Do you know what I mean by when I call them the 90 percenters? Well, let me just let me just uh, jump in really yeah, quick. Please. You know, we all owe Charlie 20 bucks now because we told him he could not re- uh, work the word booger <laughs> into the broadcast, and I'll be darned if he didn't do it. That's not true. There is no <laughs> bet or play with words on that. Oh my God, there was a Steve Martin movie, I think. <laughs> where he was one of those traveling um, pastor speakers or whatever in that, and the, that's what he had, always contests of what words they get in the show. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that movie. That sounds no, fun. No. I, I am going to go find it for you because and, and, it was hilarious. I kept cracking up at it. All but right. I, I want to get back to the 90 percenter <laughs> stuff. You know, anybody got an idea what I mean by that when I talk about real estate professionals? Mm, I, are you speaking about the, the 10% of real estate professionals that do 90% of the business? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then the other 90% that does 10% of the business. Yeah. And Joey, is that the same in, in your industry as well? I know you've used many years ago the term of lazy lenders and as a derogatory term, but we know there's good and bad right, in every profession. I'd say right now that it uh, probably is. Um, yeah, there's just uh, at the end of the day, uh, we we just lost sixty percent of uh, uh, new mortgages this year, right? So we're compared we're anticipating to what the previous years. Wow. Uh, right? Well, so last year was stupidly anti- hot. Right? Yeah. I, well, yeah. I mean, 2019, 2021, but we're also looking at fifty percent of originators who literally probably got their licenses within the last two years, or people who just you know did not write a lot of loans. They're, they're not going to be renewing in the renewal period right now. So, yeah. Um, is that number going to change? I would say probably a little bit. It may go to like maybe 85, 15. Um, but that's essentially just because so many people are dropping like flies. So it's um, my, my business has been super duper weird because I'm getting referrals from places I didn't before because other lenders who were getting those referrals are no longer in the industry. So, yeah, it, 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 it's definitely the same in the uh, mortgage world. Yeah. And it is kind of funny also how we all get our little niches that come in there. You know, like Olin mentions that, you know, his website or, you know, Olin Sells Chicago. And he, he, somebody else gave him a nickname called Mr. Andersonville. And he came back to me and he goes, I don't want to pigeonhole myself because I serve the whole Chicagoland area. You know, we go to the suburbs, we go to the city, we do everything else. Same thing with you, Joey. You know, I know you're, you have a very strong expertise and passion about VA mortgages um, you have a very strong <laughs> passion. I'm sorry, our producer yeah. just chimed in, and he just reminded me of the movie Leap of Faith is what it's called with Steve Martin. Okay. All right, and I'm very <laughs> thankful to Devin for putting that up there. But, <laughs> you know, Joey, with, with you and um, 
Oh, I lost yeah, my so train of thought with no, Devin. Okay. I'm sorry. You, you, you were leading him down the path to talk about VA loans, I believe. That's what it was. You're an expert in it, but you don't just write VA mortgages. No, absolutely not. And part of the reason that it, I, I am so passionate about VA is because it's so easy to write and it's so easily to, easy to screw up if you don't know what you're doing. Like, and that was going to be my question. Why do people screw so many of them up? Because they're just lazy. <laughs> oh, I, mean, there, I knew I'd get on this. Day. There it is. <laughs> my entire job can be done on a Google search, and, and that's just a fact, right? I, if, if you're if you're a buyer and you really want to screen if someone is you know full of BS, you can literally Google these things and be like, okay, my lender has no idea what they're talking about. Are people going to do that? No, they're just going to trust whatever lazy person says, right? Um, that's our society. Uh, you know, I, I always refer to it as the last person heard is the first person believed. It, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Joey, let, let me just say one thing, though. It, listen, I think you could say this, this what you said about Googling and kind of more or less getting the, you know, the, the basics or what you would need to know to, to do our job. I mean, you could Google most of what you would need to know as a lawyer, but what the difference is is if i google something i know how to parse the the stuff that's yeah. useful and the stuff that's not and so it, it you find it to be easy because you are such an expert you do you know exactly what you're doing and so you know i i'm not trying to you know blow smoke no, but you know there's be realistic the people that are here right now on this show are passionate caring dedicated individuals and that's why everybody's here. I'm, gonna, right? I'm just going to give you more credit than maybe you think you deserve because I, I think that it's it's harder than than it, it's easy for you because you've taken the time to become good at it. Yep. Yeah. So, Joey, how do people get hold of you if they need to ask any questions about anything? And then we are coming back to the subject. Well, you can find me on social media at the VA Loan Nerd across literally everything, TikTok, Instagram, you know, whatever else, Twitter, Facebook, blah, blah, blah. Uh, or you can call or text me. It's 630-235-2405. You got like the most romantic <laughs> voice right there. That is a sexy there. phone number. I, know. I try to draw them in. I try to draw them in with that. That is a sexy phone number. Olin, give us your contact <laughs> You're information, You're going to make me go after that. No, you got to beat it. you got to tap it. My phone number is... Uh, all right, you can uh, you can call me, text me. Uh, don't send any dirty texts to three one two seven seven one one three two eight olensellchicago dot com and on all social media also as olensellchicago. Terrific, and Patrick, same thing to you, please. You can slide into my DMs. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Patrick at loftus law. Don't forget to smash the like button. Hit subscribe. Enable notifications. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, I, I, I don't know what to do. My name is Charlie Belfast aide I own Chicagoland Home Inspectors. Our telephone number is 312-544-9180. Any, any questions at all, I always try to leave myself open. I don't charge a talk on the phone. If you're in the process of buying or selling a house and you want to know the severity of an issue, even if we do a FaceTime or whatever, it's there. We also have a home inspection school called Home Inspection University of Illinois, H-I-U-I-L.com. And we're putting a whole bunch of classes up on there for free. And then I want to get more people to go ahead and follow our, our radio show here on YouTube at the Home Buyers Hour. And I think we were talking about professionalism. Is that what it is? Yep. We we're, can talk about that. Okay. <laughs> I think Olin, we should. I kind of want you to jump in here. Where are some of the weaknesses, and, and I want to gear this in sort of a way that if somebody's looking to start hiring out a, a real estate agent to go ahead and work with, I mean, I think the biggest problem, and maybe it's a good thing, I don't know, a lot of people, there's so many real estate agents that are in the business in the state of Illinois. I think the last time I checked, we were around 80,000 licensed real estate agents. 80% um, of those are going to be in the Chicagoland area. So not just the city of Chicago, but the suburbs as well. So we're looking at 60,000. How do I know if somebody is going to be, or what are some of my clues, if somebody's going to be one of those 10% that are truly dedicated to what their client's needs are? Or what I like to refer to as the 90 percenters that just want to fill in blanks on a piece of paper and unlock a door and and let you go ahead and fend for yourself. 
It's, it's one of the questions that I, I love answering, but I also hate it because it does put... It's hard. A, it, it puts a bit of a negativity on this profession. Let me just start by saying, I love what I do, and I it is my career. It is what I am passionate about, and not just a job that I go to every day. So I think that that is a huge point. Um, there are way too many brokers in this city for the amount of uh, clients that are always looking, and that's why there are some people who end up doing one or two deals a year. And that is not sustainable for a, a career for someone. So that person, either as a second job that they're also focused on or a partner that's bringing money in. So therefore, you can tell immediately. I mean, Patrick's not a chiropractor and a yoga instructor and an attorney all at the same time. He focuses on one thing. And I think personally that if you're going to spend this large amount of money and do all of this work to buy a property, you should be working with a consummate professional and granted, you might have a best friend that just starts in the business and you really want to be their first customer. I completely understand that. But Charlie, to answer your question, if somebody's looking for a broker and they really want it to be somebody that has been doing this for a while, you can ask questions. You, you get to interview these people. That's the benefit of meeting so many brokers in Chicago is you can Google it. You can see a bench somewhere. You might get a postcard in the mail. You can call that person and ask how long they've been in the business, what company they work for, and what they would be getting while working with you interview that person. And I, I love that whenever I get a, a new buyer or a new seller that maybe they've been referred to me, but maybe they just found my information and they want to interview me. And I love when I get the call that says, we're hiring you. Every once in a while, they decide to go elsewhere. And that's fair because guess what? There's 80,000 people to choose from. Right. So I think there's nothing wrong with it. You know, I call myself a financial, or excuse me, I call myself a real estate advisor. If you're going to work with a financial person, they're not called a, a financial uh Half timer, they're a financial advisor. We they're all working. are advisors. Yeah, that's the the term I tell people is I'm a real estate advisor. I'm advising you. I'm helping you. I'm not just a keyholder. And that's the, that's the passion and the and what I put into this position every day. And I hope that somebody hears that. And I hope that they ask either me or the next person they speak with how long you've been in the business. What is your volume? What is your marketing? What is your technology? What can you do for me? Dig deep and don't just say. Oh, you have a real estate license? Great, you're hired. Does that make sense? And I, I don't want it to sound bougie. I'm not trying to say that I'm better than anybody. I've been doing this for 13 years, and I know what I'm doing. And I'm going to treat you, and I'm going to make sure I'm going to treat you well, and make sure that you have the best real estate experience. If it's just three times in your life, like we said earlier, you know. Yeah, and you know, I would add one more thing, and and that would be because I know some of the top producers in in, in the area, and a lot of them. Probably the majority of them, you know, work on fairly large teams. So you might meet that, uh, you know, the the guy or the the person um, when they close your business, and then you will never see them again. I would want to know from the broker. Okay, so I like everything you had to say. How much involvement will you have, or are you just closing uh, new clients? Are you just in charge of the sales funnel? I want to know that that name attached to who I'm hiring is actually who I'm getting, or is it one of their team members who is you know, maybe two years, uh, you know, having their license, and you know, all of a sudden it's I don't want to call it a bait and switch because that makes it sound, um, you know, like it's some sort of a fraud. But um, I want to know that this person who is that impressed me enough to sign that listing agreement or to sign that buyer representation agreement. That's the person I'll be primarily dealing with, or if there's a conflict, you know, someone who works very closely with them. It's funny you say that, yep. Patrick, because I, I belong to a BNI group, and, and Nolan's in the same group, you know, which is why we have a, a relationship together, and we we have a, had an attorney before I met you, and I had a client that did not trust her real estate agent. She did not trust her the attorney that the real estate agent was referring. We built a rapport in a very short period of time, and I felt comfortable, you know, referring the the mortgage person, or I think I sent them to you, Joey, and then also the attorney on there. But that attorney that we have in our BNI group, she ended up pushing it to is a paralegal is the right term, right? Paralegal, legal assistant. Legal assistant. Okay. Sure. Paralegal. There, uh, there's a there's a credentialing involved. So, uh, you know, I, I suppose if you want to be really technical. You'd want to know that that person was like a certified paralegal. I don't know how that all works, but so, you know, whatever. It's as lay people, you can use those terms more loosely than I can. I have to be a little bit, you know. No, I understand, but I think everything comes back to like one of my key words is expectations. 
and her expectations, my client's expectations, were not met, all right, by by working not with the main attorney, but with the paralegal. But I get it. When the business gets so big, I even hear it myself. People go, well, Charlie, I want you to come out and do the home inspection. I'm like, I, I don't do that. You know, I do the follow-up. I do the fixes. I do what else is needed to support the passionate inspectors that I have with us, you know, but you're going to have to work with them, you know. And, and, and having those list of things, I think, is a good thing. Olin, have you ever written out those questions at all? For clients? Yeah, like, or uh, just uh, post on your website. I, I've done that. You I, know, how do you, what do you ask a home inspector, you know, to find out if they're, where they are in their pecking order? Yeah, I basically have like a buyer handbook kind of situation that I can provide to buyers, and it does, cool. it does lead to that. But I also educate them and let them know beforehand, you know, what the process is going to be with their lender, attorney, inspector, and they, they're aware of it. I never want anybody to go in blind and, and not know what questions they should be asking. Do you do that too, Patrick? Uh, is really on a case-by-case basis because okay. each agent, um, I mean, it's it, there are so many different styles that agents employ. Uh, some are quite hands-off. Some are more like Olin who are going to make sure the person is oriented in the process more. Um, and so if, if they've already been through that process with someone like Olin, then I don't need to then circle back in and say, let me repeat a bunch of stuff that you were already told. Um, whereas there are, there are some times when I am introduced to someone and they ask me the question, please take me to the process. And so I, I can spend five minutes and say, well, here's how uh, the steps lay out. And presuming each one is successful, then you, you and I will meet at a title company and you'll be handed keys at the end and we'll all be happy. And you won't have any hiccups or headaches. I cannot promise that. Never do. <laughs> now, I think I could figure out how a mortgage person would be, how you would know right away if the mortgage person is a good quality. They would probably annoy the daylights out of you. <laughs> you know, Joey, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're going to be constantly telling me you need these documents, these numbers, these everything else, and me, the procrastinating fool I am, don't want to go ahead and get those to you right away. Are, isn't that a good sign that somebody's going to stay on top of me to get those? Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I would say especially if they're doing it before you're pre-approved, because if they're doing it after you're, you're pre-approved, then they never issued a real pre-approval, in my opinion. They, they just gave you what you wanted, and now they're just hoping that it works. So as long as they're asking for those things before you are pre-approved, I'm good with it. I'm okay with that. When do you get introduced, and, and this is for, I guess, you and Olin, when do you get introduced to the client? Uh, for, for me, it's a little bit weird. Uh, well, not weird, but it's just different, I think, than a lot of lenders. Um, because of my background, a lot of times I will get a message, I'll get a text, I'll get just completely random people reaching out to me, which is cool. I love random people. Um, <laughs> and say, hey, you know, I, I work at so-and-so fire department, police department, whatever. Um, your former client recommended me, blah, blah, blah. Other times I'll have uh, realtors. They will either start a group text, they'll start a group email uh, to introduce me. Um, but yeah, most of the time it is the buyer actually making contact with me uh, up front from a referral. And you're another one. you got a big team on your hands, don't you? Yeah, I, um, I have got 20. Uh, I did just let go one. Uh, and yeah, I, I try to make sure they all work the same way I do. Uh, and if they don't, then we do remediation for whatever they may mess up. But if you mess it up twice, you're outie. <laughs> yeah, that's harsh. I get it. But this is, we're dealing with human beings, you know, and, and I'm a big advocate for respecting human beings. And if somebody's going through that emotional roller coaster, and I don't care what anybody says, it is an emotional roller coaster buying a house, and it's extremely stressful. And if we don't do everything that we can to make that landing soft and, and make sure that we guide them as advisors in, in earning our pay, I, I think that we're dropping the ball. I think we need to be harsh on ourselves. You know, what do you guys? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, Joey. Let me let me just jump in. Something you mentioned was uh, this word approval, and when a lender uses the word approval. That's when I start talking to the client about what that means to me. And, and believe me, I'm not casting aspersions your way, but uh, I'm always very clear with the client that whatever, whenever the 
whenever your lender uses the word approval, it can mean so many different things. And oh, yeah. the only one I care about is clear to close. If, if you yeah. were, yeah, so you got all your financial documents in and the lender says, yes, you're conditionally approved. Usually they, they won't use the word conditionally, but implicit in you're approved, you know, three weeks in advance of, of closing is that, well, there's still some more stuff we got to do. Employment verification, we're going to run your credit one more time, blah, blah, blah. And so I have to, I have to rein them back in and say, look, the, the, this is not done and dusted. Make sure that you are still um, working with the lender. Make sure that whatever they ask you for, you're getting it to them. Because uh, un, until they say clear to close and we have a closing schedule and, and we're, you know, we're, we're at that stage, uh, you know, to me, I, I'm, I'm, I can only approach it with the idea that this might not go as we're expecting. Now, it almost always goes the way we're expecting, but I'm the lawyer. I'm supposed to be, uh, you know, I'm supposed to be making sure that if anything that we can perceive out there in, in the universe could happen, that I'm doing whatever it takes to protect them. So that that's at least my perspective on it. Well, now, where do you go as far as the getting people pre-approved, approved, yep. clear to close? What's yep. the real estate agent, or what should, the real estate agent role be? Uh, so I would say eight times out of 10, I'm the first person that this client meets and then I'm making the referral to Joey and I'm making the referral to Patrick and it's coming from me. Every once in a while, somebody does meet with a lender first. So when I have a conversation with a new client, I, I probably go a bit deeper than most people do, but that's just my advisor role that I like to do. Give me some examples. That's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's a very detailed either in-person or over the past couple of years, Zoom, but I do a, a huge hour consultation just to make sure that that client literally knows every step, just like Patrick said. You're going to hear from this lender a lot. You're going to hear from myself and the attorney a lot through this process. The lender is going to be your best friend. They're going to call you and they're going to ask for updated information. And, and they're going to want to know if anything's changed in your employment. And if they're going to ask for pay stubs again. And and Joey, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's I tell people, like whenever the lender is calling you, you want to get them what they need ASAP. Because until you get that clear to close at the end, we're not done with this process. And so I make sure up front that they know exactly what that process looks like speaking with the lender. I even go as far to explain what earnest money is, what down payment is, what closing sure. costs are from the beginning so that they've heard the terms, they've heard the words that I'm using throughout this entire process. And they're not like, wait, what's that? So I go relatively deep in the beginning, again, taking on that advisor role so that I almost give them too much information. And I'll be honest, I'm, I'm from the South. I can talk a lot. And, and I've even noticed after these consultations with buyers, sometimes they just kind of take a breather like, <laughs> oh, that was a lot. But I would rather them know everything and way too much up front than anything to be a surprise. Throughout. Wait, we have to have an inspection? Oh, what's earnest money? You know, I want them to know everything up front. So I'm very, very detailed in that. I never want my first client interaction to be meeting at a property. That is the most unprofessional thing that I see in this business is I'm, I'm the listing agent standing at a property. The buyer walks up and they're like, hi, are you Steve? And I'm like, uh, no. And they're like, well, I haven't met my agent yet. Hmm, well, then why the hell are you taking the client out? You know, that that's just one of my biggest pet peeves. So I digress. But my client and I know each other inside and out before we walk into the first property. Now, do you meet with them personally, or is this like Zoom or phones? or If, if they feel comfortable in person, 100%. But if it's just Zoom, at least we've had that face-to-face -face contact. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm plastered all over Instagram and, and the web, so they know what I look like. I don't know this person. You know, I want them to feel comfortable knowing me. So, yeah, we have the conversation and maybe even an in-person meeting first. Yeah, as a fellow over-explainer, <laughs> I love it. I, I've I've taken to at the end because I, I and this is a kind of a recent thing. Um, at, at the end of one of these marathon uh, monologues, <laughs> I'll go on to explain this or the other thing. And as a side, thank God the second installment, uh, twenty twenty one real estate tax bill came out. That took. That's going to save me hours and hours of time of yep. explaining time uh, from here until. 2024. Um, <laughs> uh, I've, I've taken at the end of, of one of these monologues to say to the client, look, I just fed you a lot. I just gave you a fire hose full of information about stuff that I know in, in and out and you're hearing for the first time. Here are the, the two, three bullet points I want you to take away. And if anything rings a bell going forward, 
contact me and we'll, we'll go through it again because I, I, mm-hmm. I know you didn't take notes. I wasn't expecting you to take notes. Uh, and it's, it's, perf- per- it's perfectly fine if you didn't come away from this conversation as an expert because that's what I'm here for. But at least so, they've heard it once before. Sure. And at least they're aware. That's the point. And, and now some, some bells can ring. Mm-hmm. It is, if, you know, they teach you in law school. What, what we're really teaching you is how to spot the issue. Once an issue's been spotted, then take it to me, and then I can flesh it out. You know, again, which uh, you you can't expect someone to to take on the entirety of my um, you know twenty five minute description of how real estate taxes work because they are in they're opaque, they're purposefully so in my opinion. Because if we knew how the sausage was made, uh, we would, we would be more upset than we already <laughs> yeah. are about real estate taxes. Okay, again. You know, as an aside, but um, but yeah, I I like the idea of providing the information. If I've provided too much, that's in my opinion going to be a better approach than not enough, mm-hmm. unless someone says, "Look, it's enough." You talk too much. Stop. One, once in a while, <laughs> someone will say, "Look, we've already we've developed a, a, a trust, and I trust you. I don't need you to explain this in such granular detail." In which case, I go, "Great." You know, you're they're the customer, so fine. I'll t- I'll I will then modify how I am going about things. You know, Charlie, if if you are dealing with someone who, let's say, they're a, a plumbing contractor and they're still going to hire an ins- an inspector, you're not going to go and tell them how a toilet works, right? I might argue with that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm sorry, but the cobbler's children don't have any shoes. Well, all right, and all right, you don't want to inspect a home inspector's home. It's that simple, all right? We know where the shortcuts are, and you know what you can do and you can't do. So, no, I, I'm going to disagree just a tad. All right, I'm going right. to do my same routine. And, yeah, I, I've had that, and I don't take it as a challenge, but we all, this person's an electrician um, who owns this house that you're going to be doing the inspecting. And all I do is, you know, and I need to get over this habit because it's a bad habit. I roll my eyes. You know, I'm like, oh, damn it, I'm going to have a whole bunch of electrical things that I'm going to have yep. to document. It's going to take yep. a lot of work because I know that they feel comfortable circumventing some of the rules. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I can say that it's okay just because that person says it's okay. That That's yep. fair enough. I, you you want to know who, who my clients that I represent are least likely to read any of the paperwork that comes their way? Lawyers. Yeah. Yeah. Cobbler's children don't have any shoes. <laughs> and, uh, and Charlie, when I'm doing inspections with people, uh, I've even gotten to the point now where while we're walking through properties and I notice things that I know are going to come up on your report, if it's a property they're interested in, I'm like, look, see, there's a pan right there underneath the HVAC or there's a pan underneath the washer dryer. That it, Your inspector's going to be very happy to see that. So even that sort of stuff that happens during showings is bringing up things that your inspectors are going to bring up as well. So the client is already aware of that. And then myself as a a homeowner, I use myself as an example all the time to clients because if they get a bad inspection, I'm like, look, guys, I had 37 issues on my property when I bought it, and I asked for four of them to be fixed. So I use myself as a real human example, and I think that that, it's not to try to change the client's mind. It's to let them know that I'm real and that things happen even, like you said, for the electrician's home. This is a realtor who's decided to buy a home, and they've seen thousands of properties, and I still decided upon this one. And I only fixed four of these, quote, issues that came up. So it kind of alleviates some of those worries for the client. We average about 70, 70 issues on every home inspection report we write. I mean, we've had them down in the 30s, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, but just yesterday I was going over a report with a client that was like at 110, you know, wow. different issues that came on. And we pride ourselves on documenting minor things as well. You know, the, the people that choose us as their, their home inspector, they they just want to know. They want to have as much information as possible, and they want to make their own decisions. I try to warn them ahead of time that, you know, when you see all these things, all of a sudden you're going to think this is a bad house, and we're going to start, you know, you're going to freak out. You know, yep. you're going to be like, what the hell is going on? And, I, and as long as, again, it goes back to that expectations, I try to set that, that it's going to happen, and that... You know, let's pick out the top three, four, five things, you know, that you think, and you can make solid decisions. We went a little over on the time here. Um, I want to go around the horn one more time. Olin, if you don't mind, start us off. Tell us about you and how people get hold of you and the name of your company again. Yep. 
Olin uh, with At Properties. Uh, my company is Olin Sell Chicago. That's also the website, www.olinsellchicago.com. My Instagram and all other social media is Olin Sell Chicago. And I will just take a, a second for a plug. I've been doing a ton of informational videos for clients nice. on my Instagram. So I think that that's something people can really take advantage of is its terms and questions and seller and buyer directive questions that that I'm just explaining in real human layman's terms on my Instagram. So please take a look at that. And phone number is 312-771-1328. And what was that in Instagram handle again? At Olin Sells Chicago. I love it. Patrick, please. I am Patrick Loftus with Loftus Law. You can call or text 773-632-8330. Keep it clean. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, Joey, please. Yep, uh, Joey Matthews, the VA loan nerd. Uh, you could call or text at 630-235-2405 or find me on social media as the VA loan nerd anywhere. I, I got to tell you, I, I can't express how much I love that that handle for all your social media stuff, the VA loan nerd. You know, it's just pretty I cool. A, I got a logo and everything now. Oh, gosh, I want to see that logo <laughs> in the worst way. The world's okayest <laughs> VA loan nerd. Absolutely. <laughs> I would rather go with that person than the world's meh. Meh. You know. Speaking uh, of meh, I'm going to give my plug right now. So oh, it's come. Chicagoland Home Inspectors, 312-544-9180. Our website is The Home Inspectors. That's plural, O-R-S, and it's a dot com. And please, you'll find everything about pricing, what we do, what makes us different. One of the unique things we did put up on our website is going to be a comparison chart. So what we do is we, you know, we found out what all the tools that most home inspectors, or I should say some home inspectors did, and we decided to add that entire repertoire and then some to ours. So if you want the big long list of possible stuff that home inspectors can do, look for our comparison chart on our website and you can, I can always help anyone finding that if needed. I want to give a shout out to our fan club and the president of our fan club, Bernie. He's really the only member, too, but I know he's listening on Saturday morning, and I love him to death. That's my father-in-law. Don't, don't forget, my wife will watch this. I was about to we, say, and my mom does, too, so we have a, co we have a couple of members now. Our fan club is growing. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah. Hi, Mom. <laughs> Way to go. And you can always find these episodes also on um, our YouTube channel. You could get hold of the SoundCloud for WCPT AMA 20. And you can always find past recordings of everything. And I'm really happy that we have such professionals that come and join us. And even though we gear everything to home buyers, truthfully, we can all learn from each other. and We can learn from the other professionals that we have on here. So I'm hoping that there's other mortgage people, home inspectors, attorneys, and especially real estate agents that come and join us. So anyway, we were talking again about professionalism and, and getting clients ready to know and stuff. And... And Olin, I'm going to put you on the spot again. No, no practice, no rehearsal or whatever. <laughs> I want to know, why should I hire you? All right? If I'm buying a house, why should I go ahead and interview you and why should I choose you? Let me ask you a question. How did you hear about me? I'm on the radio show. There you uh, go. WCVTA of 820. I, I heard you. How's that? I, I make that joke. Uh, Good. If someone was referred to me by a previous client, then that person obviously had a great experience, and then I can explain how we were successful for them. Uh, I've been doing this for long enough, like I said, to have seen the good, bad, and ugly, and I am a straight shooter, and I will let you know what I think is the, the best option for you. I will give my opinion, and everything's ultimately up to you, but I'm honest. Um, I try to be as much of a tour guide as well as an advisor, as well as a broker. So it's kind of all wrapped into one. I also have a team of three people. If you can't get me on the phone and you need to see this property right now, I have two other team members who can get you. So you're getting three for the price of one. Um, I if feel you, sorry for the guy that has to work at two in the morning. Oh, well. <laughs> or nobody, does that not happen? Nobody's going to see that. I have gotten phone calls at six in the morning. Oh, boy. Uh, but sorry. no properties are, ha uh, are being shown at that time. Uh, if you were just a, a random, never been introduced to me before and just saw my bench on the side of the street or got a random postcard in the mail, the reason you should hire me is because I work with App Properties. I have a fantastic company behind me. We have the largest market share in the city of Chicago. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, two out of, wait, what is 20%? Yeah. 
two and a half or three homes out of every five have an at properties agent attached to them in the city of Chicago. So one way or another, either, either the on buyer the, or the seller, either both. on the buy or the sell side. So we have our hand in the market share. We're expanding That's nationwide. Impressive. Uh, we actually just bought uh, or, or acquired, I should say, Christie's International Real Estate. So we now really? have we now have the luxury arm, and it's just a, a fantastic company that started and built here in Chicago. I have every single bit of marketing and technology at my disposal. So as good as I am at properties is even better behind me, and I feel like that is the best bet for selling and buying property in Chicago. And I'm pretty darn funny and charismatic. <laughs> so those are those are two little asterisks that go at the end of it. Is I'm going to make it a I'm going to make it a fun experience. You're not going to feel bogged down. It is a very treacherous, uh, you have to get through this entire process and it's going to be, you're going to be sad, you're going to be happy, you're going to be nervous, you're going to be scared, but I'm going to make it fun and you're going to have a great experience. Oh my God, isn't it something, Patrick? It's like the, what do you call it, the seven stages of death, but it's going to be the seven <laughs> stages of buying a house. There you go. I mean, I'm excited. About? All of it. All of it? You never get <laughs> upset or aggravated? I mean... Every day, but um, you know, it's just part of it. <laughs> Got to stay even keel, right? Oh, well, you try, you try. You know, you you care, and and sometimes that does take you to tough places um, because you know you really do um, you know have compassion for your clients, and uh, you know that's what makes the highs worth it. Um, Good point. You get the lows along with it, and uh, you know more highs than lows. You hope. Mm -hmm. And you guys get to see the client and talk to the client at the end of everything. And that's when, you know, that, that's when it's the end of the ride and everybody's the happiest and they get what they wanted. And, you know, all the good things there. I'm out of the picture. You know, we're usually gone by that time. We never get to take our photo in the gigantic title company <laughs> thing. You can come to the closing if you want. Yeah, I tried that for a little bit. We, um, <laughs> We, we ended up, we did for a short period. I ended up stopping this, and I know we are running out of time, so I'll get quick. We were doing pay at close stuff, but, and apparently throughout the rest of the country, the real estate attorneys, no, no, the real estate agents, they end up collecting the earnest money and they have to put it into a title company, or the title company takes the earnest money. That's not the case here in Illinois. That happens. So usually we don't know who the title company is until what? Two weeks? Until the seller's lawyer uh, orders title. Um, when does that usually happen? Uh, depending on the, for me, as soon as I get the contract in, it's one of the, you know, the, the things on my checklist is send it to the title company, order a survey if I need to, uh, if it's single family detached, um, find out about any association information so that I'm ready to order the docs and disclosures when when the time comes. Uh, other lawyers would prefer to see that the uh, contract has got has got through attorney review and inspection. Uh, to me, I, I don't see a, a need to wait on that um, because the more things we can knock down, uh, the less is going to potentially delay us if we need to move quickly. Outstanding. All right, so we're getting to the end of our hour right now. I want to thank everybody for listening to me, and I want to give special thanks to Joey Matthews of the Federal Savings Bank, Patrick Loftus of Loftus Law, and Olin Ergel of At Properties. All right, I also want to give a special thank you going out to Devin Tingle. He's the producer of the show, and he's what actually makes us all sound pretty decent. I want to thank everybody for listening. This is WCPT AMA 20. Please look for us on YouTube. Please look for us on Facebook. We're trying to build up those numbers and keep your eye open. Other than that, this is Charlie, and I am out.